4: Welcome to the show, a brand new week. It's Monday. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas, and this is The Word to Stand On for Life, a program dedicated to taking your phone calls, answering your Bible questions, questions about stuff going on in your life, anything and everything that's on your heart. All you have to do is to provide the phone call 210. 210- If you're outside the local San Antonio area, you can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. That's 630-5757. You can email questions to us. By emailing questions at calvarysa.com where you can use our free Calvary Chapel mobile app. But if you are driving in your car, remember the safe way to call is to use the free KSLR mobile app just hit the call now banner at the top of the screen you'll be connected directly to our studio producer and you can use both hands to drive, Hey, lots going on tonight. Our ladies and our men are going to be having their their Bible studies, also the high schoolers and junior high schools at the same time, so you can make it a family affair. I know that Linda McMillan is teaching the ladies. Pastor Ken, of course, will be teaching the men, and then our youth pastors, Chris and Matthew, will be teaching the junior hires and the high schoolers uh, at the same time. We'd love to see you here. Um, couple of things from just my perspective uh I, I had a great time yesterday i was actually invited uh, by our foundations class we have a foundations class that meets every sunday night at five o'clock and foundations is really for those people who are either new believers or just trying to build a more solid foundation in their walk with the lord and um, the, the whole idea of the course is to deal with doctrinal issues um uh, uh, questions about the Bible, questions about last night was about the rapture, and other things. So anything and everything that's on your heart um, it's going to be covered uh, in that passage of Scripture or, or in that that particular uh, class. So they invited me uh, last night. Uh, they've been talking about the rapture for the last couple or three weeks. And um, uh, Louis Henaire, who heads up the class, likes to have me come in. Uh, and And just take questions, so I took for about an hour and twenty minutes, an hour and thirty minutes, I just took questions on uh on the rapture and related subjects, and it was just really a blast for me. You know, Sundays are a long day for me, but that energizes me, and I had a great time so uh um, I guess that's my way of promoting our foundations class uh if you are are interested in getting a stronger. Foundation in Your Walk with Jesus, uh, Sunday evenings at 5 o'clock, um, come to Calvary Chapel San Antonio. We also have our Spanish uh, ministry Bible study um, on Sunday nights at the same time, just different locations here in the church, and we'd love to have you come. We'd love to have you come. I have one other thing that I want to talk about before we get into some questions uh, that have been sent in. Um, um, I was I was given a link today. Uh, to a a young woman named Helena Kirshner, or Helena, Helena, I don't know which it is, but the last name is Kirshner. And this is a, I think now 22 or 23-year-old woman who in her teens, about 15 years old, started transitioning, she is a, a biological woman, she started transitioning to be a boy and the the descent into that, and 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 now um, more mature and grown up, she she's detransitioned, and now she's living her true biological life. Uh, but I've been listening to it for about the last thirty minutes or so today, and I've been asking about um, um, solid information and experiences about this. And this young woman, for parents, if you've got a a, a child coming to you, uh, having bought into. The lie of of uh, gender dysphoria um, i I can't not recommend this this young woman enough she 's bright, she is not a Christian, so this isn 't one of those things where you say uh, your, your child could say oh that 's just what Christians think. She is not a Christian. she has just had her life almost ruined by the brainwashing of this gender dysphoria, and then the chemicals that she was given uh, to help her transition. Uh, And now she's come out the other side, and she is a powerful voice, a powerful voice for um, parents who are struggling. Okay, let's get to some questions. Our first question today comes from Scott. Scott, I appreciate you so much. This is from our mobile app. He says, and he's talking about my message yesterday. You talk during your sermon about getting alone with God and praying. How does that interaction actually look like? Or what does it actually look like? You just pray the entire time? Or do you have time where you just wait quietly for a response or for a word from Him? On another note, great sermon. I wish that if presented with the same situation, I would be brave enough to climb over the side with Peter and walk toward Jesus. My message yesterday... My message yesterday was about Jesus walking on the water and uh, Peter being scared, of course, and, and saying, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come to you on the water. And Jesus, um, it was him, Peter walked out on the water. And um, my, my question to the church here at Calvary Chapel was, well, where were the other 11? I mean, they just just come from the feeding of the 5,000, the miraculous feeding, uh, all Twelve disciples should have been out of the water if it was really Jesus. And, uh, Scott, I I agree with you. I I hope that I'm brave enough to climb over the side uh, to take the the risky route or what appears to be risky rather than playing it safe. And I appreciate your comment. Uh, And Scott does not go to our church here. So um, um, it was nice of you, Scott, to watch it. Let me talk about the getting along with God time and praying um my time i don't I don't even consider it praying so much um i'm I'm in prayer, Scott literally all day long um when I see somebody i mean I'll see somebody that looks like somebody and they'll remind me and I'll pray for that person but um it's just being with Jesus, you know Paul and I can be together and we don't have to talk now she talks. But we don't have to talk. I mean, there's times when we can be quiet and just hang out with each other. The same thing is true with Jesus. It's not a forced thing. It's not a a religious thing or a spiritual thing. It's just me hanging out with my friend who also happens to be God Almighty. Now, think about that for a moment. We can hang around with a friend. Jesus called us his friend. Uh, In Hebrews, we're told he's our elder brother. It would be just like hanging around Uh, somebody you really enjoy spending time around and being with them, whatever that entails. Uh, Yes, I talk to him. Yes, I ask him for things. Um, But there are a lot of times when I'm just quiet and I'm enjoying his presence while I'm thinking. So it's not necessarily um, just what we would think of as prayer. It's just me spending time for the Lord. Uh, waiting on the Lord, and if I if I'm able to do that, then I know I'm in a in a safe place because that's what it means to be with Jesus. And I think Scott, and this is more for everybody else in the audience. Um, I I spent some time yesterday. Uh, I, I might have missed it in one of the in one of the the services. We have three services. I'm never sure which service I said something in, but but uh, I I know in at least two of the services for sure. Uh, I was able to to share uh, how I got to this place. And I think it's instructive and I hope helpful for everybody. Uh, When I was a brand new believer, uh, my my life was an absolute disaster. I had ruined so many lives and, and most notably my own. I'd caused so much pain that I realized just how despicable of a human being I was. And when I got saved and I met Jesus, it was a pretty radical experience for me. When I got saved, I realized, and this is just something God put in my my mind and in my heart at that time, I realized that I was going to keep blowing it if I wasn't hanging out with Jesus. So I wanted to be aware of his presence all day, every day. And so for me, and I thought I invented this, and I, you know, there's nothing new, so I didn't invent it. But, but I, I just I would tell Paula I'm practicing the presence of God, and we'd go into a restaurant, or even if I would go into a restaurant alone, I would sit down, and and uh, the the server would come over, and I would ask for two menus, and I would sit on the one side of the table, on the other side of the table there'd be a chair there that I set up for Jesus, and I would actually get him a menu. Now I know he doesn't really look at a menu. I know he doesn't really eat the food as I'm eating the food. But you see, that empty chair and that menu reminded me constantly that he was there. So if my mind started to wander, if I got involved in something else, I could remember, no, Jesus, you're here. I I, want to talk with you. Uh, In my office um, uh, where I worked, um as I'm sitting at my desk at the left side of my desk as I'm looking out, I would set up a chair. And I would I would I would that would be Jesus chair and, and whatever I had to do at work, I wanted Jesus involved in those things. Um as I walked, um I, I would I would just talk, and I mean literally out loud, I would talk and I was talking gee. People say, Well are you talking to yourself? No, I'm talking to Jesus. I'd I'd stop to talk to somebody while we're walking and And uh, they'd say, oh, so you're just out for a nice walk. Oh, no, Um, Jesus and and I were were just spending some time together. And, you know, you get a lot of crazy looks and you get people that that think you're nuts. But at the same time, uh, it didn't take long before it became ingrained in me that everywhere I went, Jesus was there. And I've been walking with Jesus now uh, for 31 years and I'm no longer embarrassed even a little bit that people think I'm talking to myself or I just don't care. I'm talking to Jesus. And it, give, it it's given me many opportunities over the years to witness with people. But for me, it was just practicing his presence. I wanted being with him to be more normal than being without him. And my motives were simple. If I'm on my own, I'm going to mess up. If, if I'm not with Jesus... I'm going to do all the horrible things that I did before I got saved. If I'm with Jesus, I'm going to do different things. I'm going to make different choices. And for me, um, that has been the one consistent stable of my life. Where I go, he goes. And very seldom am I not aware of his presence. Now, one thing to think about, and this is for you, Scott, you asked the question how it looks. Um, if if I'm doing something that I know I shouldn't be doing, um, I'm instantly aware that he's gone. And it's easy then to repent very quickly or to take a little change of direction, uh, course correction, because I don't want to be without him. I, I, I just I just don't want to be without him. And I told the church yesterday, That after 31 years as a Christian, 27, almost 27 years as a pastor, uh, my flesh is just as stinky and ugly as it was before I got saved. And so the idea is to walk in the spirit instead of in the flesh. And if I can do that in that particular case, um, then I'm going to have to be with Jesus to do it. So Scott, I appreciate the question very, very much. Here is a question from Peterson. I don't know if that's the last name or first name. Uh, Peterson says, uh, Pastor, and I believe in the gifts of the Spirit for today. The church I attend does not. Is it okay to stay there? Um, Peterson, yeah, it's okay. That's not an essential of our faith, but it sure would, would seem to be incompatible with what you believe. If God gives gifts, and of course the Bible teaches that He does, there is not a single word, or sentence, or paragraph in Scriptures that would suggest the gifts of the Spirit are not for today. Um, um, so so I, I think I think that's a pretty big difference um, in belief. Again, both are are mainstream Christian beliefs. But how we live our lives and the way we use our gifts, um, that would be a big difference. So my uh, generalized, without any more information than this, my generalized um, response to you is to to uh, probably start looking for a different church. Um, you can look for a church that teaches the word. Uh, we're a church that teaches the word. Peterson, and, and uh, we we operate in the gifts of the Spirit. I believe those gifts are all for today. hope that helps. Let's go to Steve from Cedar Park on Line 1. Steve, thank you for calling. You're on the air.
2: Uh, hi, Pastor Ron. Um, last night I was listening to a, uh, a question and answer period on YouTube between um, John MacArthur and R.C. Spall. Could you just um, kind of quickly go over Their differences in doctrine, Uh, it seemed like at least baptism was something that they kind of differ on. But maybe just uh, quickly give an overview of their two maybe doctrinal issues, because I wasn't really sure after listening.
4: Yeah, I I can do that, Steve. And, and, uh, you know, uh, R.C. Sproul, of course, is is in heaven now. Um, uh, They are both reformed. Uh, but they're very different brands of Reformed theology. R.C. Sproul uh, is Presbyterian. Um, uh, his, his views eschatologically are completely different than John MacArthur's would be. Let me, let me answer this way, Steve. John MacArthur is a strange Calvinist. Uh, they're both very, very Calvinist. Um, uh, both very bold in their Calvinism, very big on the sovereignty of God, and not yet really understanding the sovereignty of God. Um, At the same time, John MacArthur is uh, pre-trib, pre-mill in his eschatology, and almost um, uh, universally Calvinists and Reformed theologians are not. Um, R.C. Sproul would have been an uh, amillennialist or at very best a post-tribulationist, um, so, so, it's, so they're different uh, in that regard. The idea with with baptism, infant baptism. Uh, R.C. Sproul was a very strong believer in infant baptism, uh, that that it conveys or confers salvation. And of course, that is an anti-biblical position. John MacArthur says, "No, no, no. When you to, to be baptized, you got to be an adult, and you got to make a, a decision to follow Christ. Uh, it's a public declaration of your faith." So those are the areas that they they fall apart. There, there's there's been some um, uh, sometimes funny, um, but but sometimes very intense debates uh, between the two of them. Uh, the reality is, in real life, they were really really dear friends. And um, sometimes it'd be hard to tell that when they were in a debate, but they're really, really good friends. Um, um, both of them are gifted teachers. Uh, it's just that both of them are really, really wrong when it comes to Calvinism. And um, I, I would not suggest listening to it. I, I, I listen to John MacArthur. I, I would never listen to R.C. Sproul. He's... Uh, Doctrine, there's just so much wrong. I wouldn't listen to to R.C. Sproul. Although I I, I did indicate he's a gifted teacher. He's just teaching the wrong things. Um, And John MacArthur, I think, is a a treasure for the church. You've just got to be able to separate the wheat from the chaff. And uh, frankly, I I just turn him off every time he starts talking about election um, or or, uh, predestination because he doesn't use the same hermeneutic principles of interpretation Uh, when it comes to that one issue that he does with the rest of his stuff. So uh, I hope that helps, Steve. But um, those are the differences between the two. And uh, I don't know where you're coming from, but I I would look for um, question and answer debates, YouTube conversations or teachings from people who are not Reformed um, if you want a, a more accurate view of Scripture Again, there's nothing wrong with learning about it. You just have to be wise enough and discerning enough um, to know where to stop buying what they're teaching uh, wholesale. Steve, thank you. Appreciate it very, very much and give my love to the people up in the Cedar Park area. We've got a bunch of listeners up there. Here is a question from Amanda. She says, should I wait to be baptized until after I understand more about being a Christian, or is it something I should do right away? Now, uh, Amanda, this is a good question, timely, based on Steve's phone call. Um, baptism is for consenting adults. I mean, if you know what you're doing, um, you're making a free will decision to follow Jesus, and you want to make that public by by the the, the sacrament of baptism then it's a wonderful thing. Um, but but being baptized should happen as close to conversion as possible rather than um, having it based on understanding. You see, uh, coming to Christ is a step of faith. Uh, being baptized is a step of obedience in response to that faith. So I, I would tell you, get baptized right away. And once you get baptized, it's a public declaration of your faith, like the Ethiopian eunuch in, in the book of Acts. I love when when Philip explained to him what, what faith was and who Jesus was. And he said, he, well, there's some water right there. What keeps me from being baptized? And the answer was nothing. And he baptized him. And then Philip, of course, supernaturally disappeared. So I wouldn't wait at all. If you're a believer, you've given your heart to Jesus Christ, Uh, then then getting baptized um, is the very next step. You don't get baptized to get saved. You get baptized because you are saved. And it's just telling the world, this is my public declaration. The old me is dead and the new me is born again. So Amanda, great question. And you don't say how long you've been saved, but welcome to the family of God. And God bless you uh, for giving your heart to Jesus Christ. I like that. Here's a question from Elijah. He says, I know we're supposed to share our testimonies, but I'm ashamed of my past. Is God upset because I won't share? You know, Elijah, I understand uh, when when you get saved and you want to live a new life, you don't want to sort of walk around in the mud of your old life. But here's the way to understand it. This is an opportunity for you to tell people who knew you before what God has done in your life. And see, you're not the important person here. It's the people out there, the people that we want to share our faith with. So God's not upset with you. He understands. But at the same time, he's going to keep putting you in positions where you have the opportunity to share. Now, here's something that I think you can do. I'm going to use my older son, Ronnie, as an example. Um, I have two sons. One of them is completely blasted with tattoos. And the other one doesn't have a mark on his body. No piercings, no tattoos, no anything. Um, Ronnie... A lot of his tattoos are gross, ungodly. Um, but he's the one who gave his life to Jesus Christ. And he said, Dad, I don't want people to know this. I, don't want people. I said, Ronnie, those are trophies for Jesus. You, you can take off your shirt and tell somebody, this is who I used to be. But it's not who I am anymore and um um you know that's the that's the thing that we need to be focused on um the things that you did in your life you don't have to glorify your old sin sometimes we get people that give testimonies and and the purpose of their testimony is to 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 the power of god but i was this terrible person and we end up glorifying our sin so it's easy to talk about there are many many things that i did that that i am now ashamed of But thank God I'm no longer guilty of those things because my sins have been forgiven. They're as far from me, as east is from west, and only God can do it. So use what God has done in your life. Again, you don't have to be detailed about your testimony. Just share generally what God has done for you, who you used to be, and who you are now. Now, Elijah, I've given my testimony many, many times, and... Um, Every once in a while, God will ask me to do it somewhere else out uh, when I'm speaking. And people always get saved when I do. I mean, not most of the time. They always get saved when he asks me to share my testimony. And my testimony is a horrible one. And at the same time, uh, I'm not um, glorifying my past. I'm simply saying, this is who I was this is what God has done, and it's what he'll do for you if you give him the opportunity. And and those testimonies are really important. So, Elijah, take that step of faith. Uh, Scott's question to, to kick off the top of the program today uh, about uh, getting out of the boat. God wants you to get out of the boat and share. And I promise you, he will be there with you. The Spirit of God will empower you. And what you're ashamed of will be turned into a tool that God uses. I think the best illustration is the Apostle Paul. He often talked about, uh, he said he's the chief of sinners, the worst of the worst. He persecuted the church of God. We know he was guilty of, of murdering Christians, imprisoning Christians, the breaking up families. Um, and, and Paul said, look what God has done. And that's, Elijah, what you can do as well. So don't be ashamed of your past. Be focused on your future walking with Jesus. Good question, Elijah. Thank you very, very much. We've got 30 minutes left in the Monday show. We would love your live calls and questions. 340-9585 or toll free 877-630-KSLR. This is the word to stand on for life. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh and I will be back in two minutes.
1: back to the Word to Stand On for Life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh.
4: Welcome back to the second half of our program, 340-9585 for your calls. Here is a question from Rebecca. Rebecca, I like these kind of questions. She says, Hebrews 12 talks about throwing off things that hinder And our sins. I know what the sins are, but what are the hindering things? Um, Rebecca, um, uh, Hebrews 12, it's such a rich chapter. Uh, Obviously, it follows Hebrews 11, the Hall of Fame of Faith. Um, Hebrews 12 starts out, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses and the idea is they did it, we can do it, we can follow their example. And he says, in order to do that, we've got to fix our eyes on Jesus uh, we throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and we do that so that we're free to follow Jesus now again, you said, you know what sins are, but the things that hinder you are 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 there's there's a much larger variety of those things. An example is uh, people uh, we come to faith in christ, we got a whole bunch of old friends who are continuing to try to get us involved in the old behavior. And sometimes you just got to say goodbye to your old friends. If they're going to try to stumble you in your walk with the Lord, you got to say goodbye to them. Now it's painful, but you got to do it. Let's increase the pain. Often it's family members. You know, we go home, we we're, we met Jesus, we're thrilled, and the family doesn't want to hear anything about it, and they try to talk you out of it, sometimes you've just got to create some distance. This is particularly true when um, you don't live with family members, um, uh, but but, but they're, they're still trying to drag you back into your old life. Sometimes you got to go your own way. Spiritual laziness is something that hinders. Sometimes we're just not motivated to read the Bible. We're not motivated to pray. We're not motivated to serve in church. Those kinds of things. Um, for some people, it's, it's uh, uh, their old thought life is a result of past sins. In other words, what we've got to do is we've got to clear the deck for Jesus to be there. And for me, it's always been the easiest way to consider this. What do I do? where Jesus can't be there, those are the things that I have to throw away. And you know, uh, Rebecca, one of the things that's happened, even even if I start down some of those roads, um, the Holy Spirit is so faithful to remind me always that that um, uh, Jesus won't be here if I do that. So that's, that's something that hinders my walk with the Lord. Um, sometimes it's something like a, a temper, um, I've had people say, "Well, I'm just an angry person. I can't help it." Yeah, you got to throw off that anger. This, the, the the spirit of God will will convict you if you're angry because anger is not a good fruit of the spirit. So those are the kind of things, Rebecca. Uh, sometimes it's hobbies, sometimes it's business or work. I know people that that are just so committed to their work that they don't leave time for the Lord. And there are times when you got to say, "You got to you got to make a course correction here." Throw off the work. Now, doesn't mean we can just quit our jobs, but we have to put things into a priority. So those are the things that hinder, Rebecca, and, and they're different for everybody, but we've got to be faithful to those things. Thank you very, very much for the question. Now, here's a question. It's either from Polly or Pauline, and I just forgot to type it, the in-in, when I... Uh, when I wrote that, when I got the question. So Pauline or Pauline says, Jesus said that we're to give secretly and in private. I'm always uncomfortable when my church passes an offering. Should I give anyway? Um, um, that's not what Jesus was talking about. He's not talking about making sure nobody else sees. But what he's talking about is a heart that gives to be noticed or a heart that tries to draw attention to itself to give. So Jesus was was comparing the giving of, and not only the giving, he did the same thing with prayer, of the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes uh, because they would make big, long, showy prayers, or they would make an effort to know that everybody knows what they're giving and and how spiritual they are kind of thing. Now, I think in some churches, we cross that line. I think a lot of churches... Um, make it uncomfortable, you know. Take one offering or two offerings or three offerings or four offerings. I can go one step further. Radio programs and television programs that Christians do do the same thing. It, it becomes almost a begathon to give money. And I think sometimes we give it out of guilt or we give it because we'll feel condemned if we don't. Um, but it, but it's 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 just we want to give with a cheerful heart. But it doesn't really matter that they pass an offering in your. In your church, Um, just as you put it in the bag or in the box, whatever it is, just say, "Jesus, thank you for being so faithful to me." Just do it to yourself. Thank you for being so faithful to me. Everything I have is yours, so this is what I'm giving to you. And um, that's there's no reason to be uncomfortable about that. Let me also say this, Polly or Pauline. Um, Most churches pass an offering. Uh, when the Apostle Paul was talking about the offering that was going to be taken up for the saints in Jerusalem who were being persecuted and who were going through hard times, uh, Paul had no problem letting people know to take an offering. I'm going to be there, have the offering ready for me. So it's it's not that it has to be completely private. What he's saying is don't take any credit for it. So give, give with a cheerful heart. Uh, most churches pass an offering plate. Uh, here at Calvary Chapel of San Antonio... We do not. Uh, we've got boxes, offering boxes in the back and uh, our sanctuary and out in our foyer. Uh, and we've never asked for any money. Uh, but but the, the, neither way is right or wrong. We have to do it as a church, the way the Lord leads. And God has different plans, different visions for different churches. So you can give and you can do it without being uncomfortable. Um, you're not... Being disobedient at all. Thank you, Polly or Pauline. Appreciate it. Here is an anonymous question. Uh, he or she says, "I struggle mightily with lack of self-control. Everything, time management, diet, condition of my house, cleanliness, everything. Help." Um, I can I can do this really easy for you. In one word, repent. Repent. Self-control is the fruit of the spirit. What this means is that your life in disarray is not a spirit-led or spirit-filled life. Now, I'm not suggesting, Anonymous, that you don't have the Spirit of God in you. If you're a real believer, you do. But the Spirit's not leading your life if this is the way you're living. And so this is one of those times when you've got to get alone with the Lord and, and, and just ask Him to forgive you. And you've got to repent. But but repentance doesn't mean just feeling sorry or just struggling, repentance means changing it. Now, when I said earlier in this program, the question about um, me hanging out with Jesus, what does it look like? Uh, if you're at home and your house is a mess, you're not honoring the Lord there. Um, if, if your your diet is out of control, and, and you're not healthy, you're not honoring Jesus. Uh, if your time management um, is is uh, a mess. You're, you're again. You're not being led by the Spirit. And you said cleanliness. Uh, my grandma used to say cleanliness is next to godliness. And while the Bible doesn't really say that, it's true. You know, we we've got to be aware of who we are and how others perceive us, and we've got to live the Spirit-filled life. Can I ask you, Anonymous, to do this? Spend some time all week, this this whole week, in Romans chapter eight. Just just ask yourself what you see there, the promises that God makes. Is that not a better way of life than the, the life you're living? And clearly it's bothering you that you have a lack of self-control, that, that things are in disarray in your life. So ask the Lord to help you fix it. You won't be able to fix it on your own. But if you're with Jesus in your home, and I mean talking to him, Remember, he's there. You can't see him, but physically he's there. Then you want to make the home comfortable for him. Now, if if you are a woman, um, you know, you want your children, you want your husband to see that you care for them. And that's one way to do it. If you're a man and you're unclean, my goodness, um, how, how would you explain that to Jesus? when we go to be with Him. So this is just a a change of life that you need to be able to say, Lord, I can't do this on my own. Anonymous, just a little bit from my past, I used to be really obese. Before I got saved, I was obese. And uh, I remember one day after getting saved, uh, I'm just... um, one of those high times. Oh, God, you're so good. You're so good. I'll do anything for you. And, And the Lord stopped me in my tracks. He said, will you do anything for me? I said, Lord, anything at all. I'm your man kind of thing. And again, when we're new believers. We're immature, and we overestimate our godliness, our spirituality. And he said, okay, I want you to get your body in shape. And Anonymous, I was crushed. Because in... Years past, I tried everything I could do, diet, crash gym programs, exercising. I tried everything, and if I would lose a few pounds, I would gain more pounds back. And I remember that that very day, saying, Lord, I was just bragging that you could ask me anything, I'd do anything for you, and the very first thing you asked me, I can't do that. And I remember saying out loud, if you want me to get my body in shape, you have to do it, because I can't. And while it wasn't really like this, it was as though Jesus took a deep breath and said, okay, finally, you're going to let me do something. And um, six months later, I was unrecognizable. And I really, it wasn't hard. He did it for me. And um, that kind of self-control will only come when you're in the presence of Jesus. So, repent. Repent. Get right with God. Lead a spirit-filled life. 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Here's a question from Grant. He says, My friends argue with me about the doctrine of being saved by faith alone. How is it fair if someone lives a terrible life that they get saved by asking Jesus into their hearts? Grant, I think I had a similar question um, at the beginning of last week, somebody didn't think it was fair that people that sinned really, really badly got to go to heaven just by asking Jesus into their heart. Uh, that's the argument that your friends are offering. Uh, what I would do is tell them that they don't understand grace, nor do they understand the depth of their own sin and depravity. That's really important. So what you need to do is understand that there's nothing fair about us being saved. There's nothing fair. When I got saved, it wasn't fair. That was glorious for me, but it wasn't fair. I deserve to go to hell. And God says, I'm going to give you unmerited favor. The person who thinks other people are worse than they are, and let's face it, if we're honest, most of us think that, that person doesn't really realize what his or her sin is really like in the face of a holy God. God is so holy. His holiness is so consuming. If you spend time with Jesus, that holiness is going to show you the depth of your own filth. Now, people get depressed by that. Well, I don't want to feel like I'm that filthy. Well, you are, but God wants to forgive you, so turn that sadness or that shame into joy because what i once was i no longer am and grant if we if we're saved by anything that we do then it's no longer a gift from god paul in the book of romans calls that wages the wages of sin and death but the gift of god is eternal life through jesus christ so if if i work to be saved if i do a bunch of good things and somehow that justifies me before god then it's really nothing that God did at all. Instead, it's something that I've done, which, of course, negates the whole idea of salvation. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10 cannot be any more clear that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone. And even that, the faith is, is not of ourselves. It is the gift of God. So, they're trying to push you into doing works just tell him, all you got to do is ask Jesus in your heart. He's the transforming agent. Grant, thank you for the question. Let's go to our friend Reuben on line one. Reuben, thanks for calling. You're on the air.
2: God bless you, Pastor Ron. How are you doing, sir?
4: Reuben, I'm doing well. My voice is tired, and I'm a little bit tired today. But other than that, I'm great.
2: Well, praise the Lord. you get some rest tonight, sir. <laughs> uh. <coughs> I have a question. Acts twenty one verse. Oh, where am I? Number eight and nine. Um, it's just a little, a little. uh, I want to say like a I don't know what you would call it a little side note of Mm -hmm. no uh, consequence. I would say, but it says leaving the next day we reached. Uh, Caesarea I believe that's how you pronounce it Caesarea
4: Caesarea
2: Caesarea Thank you sir And stayed at the house of Philip The evangelist One of the seven Okay my first Mm -hmm. question is uh, Who are the seven That they are That he is Referring to And then the Mm -hmm. next part He said He had four Unmarried daughters Who prophesied Now Mm -hmm. Like I said First who is the seven to whom he referred? And why do they make reference to these four daughters who prophesied if they are not brought up again, as far as I can tell?
4: Yeah, good questions. Thank you, Ruben. Uh, two things. The, the seven, uh, if you go back to Acts chapter 6, um, um, the seven are the seven... Um, The the, the Bible says deacons or servants. They're the seven men that were chosen to settle a dispute. Early in the church, Satan was trying to divide the church. And a dispute arose between the Hebraic Jewish women and the Grecian Jewish women. And it was felt that the Hebrews were getting favored treatment. Uh, They were getting more food. And and so they, they came to the apostles, Peter most notably. And they they aired their dirty laundry. And uh, Peter's response, being led by the Holy Spirit, was choose from among your own number seven men who are known to be full of wisdom and the Holy Spirit. Now, these seven... They started uh, just being faithful waiting tables, and they grew. I mean, they they did miracles, and they were really, really giant figures in the early church. Stephen, uh, the first martyr of the church, was one of them. Philip, the evangelist, was another. And uh, the Holy Spirit, they said, choose seven men from among you. And they prayed, and the Holy Spirit touched those people. And all those seven, uh, those names are Greek. So what 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 happened was they gave the underrepresented group, they were the ones who were then put in charge of it. And because they were known to be full of wisdom and the Holy Spirit, in other words, their walk with Jesus was um, um, known by everybody um, around, well, these are the guys who are the leaders. And uh, so they were the ones who were chosen. Now, Philip, comes up in scriptures uh, several times. Um, a little bit later, after he goes to Samaria, he starts a big revival in Samaria. Uh, he's chosen by God to to leave Samaria and go down to Gaza. And that's where he's the one that the Lord uses to evangelize the Ethiopian eunuch. Um, he baptized him and then he was taken away. And and, and Philip, again, a a wonderful figure in the New Testament church. So that's who the seven were. And we have all of their names in Acts chapter 6. Now, the fact that the next verse says he had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. Remember, leaders in the church, leadership in the church has always been male. And yet here we've got an example of four unmarried daughters who were prophetesses. Now, when when it says he prophesied, or they prophesied, uh, they actually had fulfilled the office of a New Testament prophet insofar as, remember, they had no Bibles back then. They didn't have the complete word of God like we do. So the prophets were a foundational gift to the church. In the very next verse, Reuben, um, we have uh, another prophet who appears. I call him the dramatic prophet named Agabus. So there were prophets, all of the New Testament writers, uh, the apostles, of course, they were all prophets. And they were basically like having a Bible. If you had questions, you asked them, and the Spirit, God gave them the, the things. Now, the fact that he had four married daughters who prophesied is really significant because a man who's full of wisdom and full of the Holy Spirit is going to raise his children to know and love Jesus and to serve them. And this is just sort of a a heritage from the Lord. If you're doing what you're supposed to do in your walk with the Lord and your life is filled with the joy of Jesus, then your children are going to want your Jesus. And clearly, he had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. They couldn't be pastors. They couldn't be leadership. But they had a very important office of prophet. And that just demonstrates that the only office that god precludes women from having is that of a pastor or leadership doesn't mean they can't speak for the lord and and these four daughters did so that's an a treasure in our bibles good question reuben thank you you sound like you're feeling well that's great let's go to daniel from san antonio online too daniel thanks for calling you're on the air
3: hey pastor ron is me daniel
4: hi Daniel I've been Can I let me stop you for a minute you've been on my heart and I was asking Paula how you doing and because I can't see you know I don't see when you're there so thank you for calling it's a it's a, a relief
3: well I know how you feel <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I was gonna ask you a question so you know the last time I was talking about I said I was at work and I said there is like a minister who was telling me not to sit with anybody right I don't know if you remember that. Mm-hmm. Sit by myself. Yep. Yeah, and vaguely. Well, yeah. Well, then the thing is, it's like you know, I I met with him a few other times, and and you know, at one time he said to me, like, uh, you know, that uh, um, like you know, every time he would always say to me, like, you know, I don't have what it takes, you know, and uh, that he doesn't see it in me, and I was thinking like. I was thinking, like, I I started thinking of this verse that says that we have everything we need for life and godliness in Christ,
4: Mm -hmm.
3: you know, and so I thought, that must not be true, and then he had asked me a question, like, he said, Daniel, he's like, does the Lord ever tell you to do something and you don't do it, and I said, well, yeah, I mean, I've, I've done that before, and he says, I know, because the Lord is telling me that you're not listening And I was thinking, like, what? And at that moment, I felt like God's love come over me and his grace because I thought, I thought, no, you know, that, I mean, we're not perfect. I mean, you know, I'm not saying, but, you know what I mean? I just, at that moment, I realized, like, you know, I I can't really be listening. Uh, I think he maybe said that to me because I'm not listening to his teaching or, (laughs) I don't know.
4: yeah you you know daniel i i we've talked enough that i know your heart and your heart is has always been for the lord um and, and this probably one of those churches where uh, the pastor wants uh strict obedience and and um uh, it wasn't a very loving thing for him to say um so so i mean those are one of those things you ignore what you know is not true and so you ignore it um, I'm 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 loath when people will say God told me to tell you something, um, and, and the truth is you're probably right. You weren't listening to him, but that was God giving you discernment or protecting you. You know where your heart is with the Lord. You know where your walk is with the Lord. So what you've got to do is you've just got to walk with Jesus as faithfully as you possibly can, and don't worry so much about what. What what men might say, I, I don't know exactly what you meant about about telling you not to sit with anybody. But um, you know that's that's certainly not not from the Lord. Just you you know who He is. You know Jesus loves you. Don't let anybody say or do anything that would cause that to be taken from you, Daniel. It's really good to hear from you. I hope Rosario is doing well. Thank you. Oh, I guess we lost. Okay. It. Thank thank you, thank Daniel. You. God bless. You know, we're running out of time here. It's, it's, um, it's always dangerous. Um, I've told people you're not listening. Uh, but it was evident in their behavior. So, again, you know what the Spirit is saying to you. You know what the Word of God says, whether it's Daniel or anybody else in the audience. Be really, really careful of people who want to speak for God to you. Hey, thank you for the questions today, the calls. Uh, I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. Tonight, we've got our men's, women's, and youth Bible studies. Ladies, you can watch online at calvarysa.com at 7 o'clock. We'd love to have you here. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord willing, I'll be back here tomorrow at 4 o'clock on AM 630 The Word. We'll see you then.